At Wildwood Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Today is March the 7th, and that means that this disease is, is working in our midst, a disease that I currently have. Now, before you run out the doors, you need to know that I'm not talking about that disease, but I'm talking about March Madness. I, I'm infected with a full-blown case of this. It's inspiring me to be glued to a television and to fill out brackets, right? And some of you are, are stuck with the same affliction this time of year. It comes around with great regularity, uh, this celebration of college basketball inside of our country. And, I, you know, basketball is something that I've always enjoyed. I enjoyed it as a kid. I got to participate on a number of great teams growing up. And this time of year, it's not only March, it's not only the beginning of the NCAA tournament, but it also reminds me of the end of my high school basketball seasons. And when I was in high school, I played on this team. And at the end of every season, our coach would sit down and have an exit interview with each player. Now, this was something that was terrifying for a freshman or a sophomore. But when you'd been around a while, you understood that everybody got one of these exit interviews. You had not done something wrong. You had not been called to the principal. You were there because he was invested in us. He wanted us to hit our top performance. And so he would meet with us and he would talk about the things that we had done in the last season that were good and the things that we needed to work on in the year ahead. For some, it might be you need to work on playing harder defense. For others, it might be you need to work on playing defense at all. Uh, Still, for others, it might be you need to work on your jump shot. For others, it might be don't take any shots next year. Um, But there was some advice that was given that was tailored to everyone so that we all had a clear next step path for our development. Our coach cared enough about us to to give us that kind of feedback. Now, I, I tell you that today, not just because I have this case of March Madness, but I tell you that today because I think it's helpful for us to think about. When it comes to our relationship with God, he is committed to us. You realize that? God is committed to you. He's committed to your development. And because of that, if if Jesus were to sit down today across a table from you, he would want to celebrate the steps of faith that you have demonstrated in your life. But that would not be the end of it because he also would want to challenge you with some next steps, some ways that, that you might follow him anew in the days ahead. This is, we see this laid out inside of scripture. We see it in Philippians chapter one, where he talks about the commitment that that God has for us, that he has moved in to complete the task that began at the moment of our faith in him. So we have a God who is committed to our development. And because he's committed to our development and our spiritual lives, that means that there would be some next steps for each of us. And not only are there next steps, but if there are next steps, that means that there was a first step. Now, what is the first step that all of us should take if we wanted to pursue a relationship with God? What would that first step be? Well, the first step is faith in Christ, right? And this morning, we're going to celebrate baptism, and we're going to hear the stories of how everyone, all 18 who are baptized today, are here today because they are professing faith in Christ. That's the first step. But the next step after the first step is the step of baptism. Now, where did we get that? 
Is that something that we just made up because we're a church and we make stuff up? No, that's not true. We got that because we see that as the pattern of the church that Jesus founded in the first century that is still being built today. And this morning, we're going to look at Acts chapter 15 to see why the first step is faith in Christ and why the next step after the first step is baptism. We're going to see that by looking at Acts chapter 15. So if you've got a Bible, you might take it out and turn there. I want to just have our attention drawn to this idea and where it's found uh, before we hear the stories and before we celebrate these baptisms this morning. You see this in Acts 15. Now we're going to see two things from these verses and a little beyond today. The first thing that I want us to see is this. The first next step. What is the first next step? Now, when we think about the first next step of following Christ, that, that, that's something that, that we might think is an easy question to answer. But actually, going all the way back to the very first followers of Jesus, there was some controversy about what the first next step would be. There, there were some who were inside the church in the very first century, the very first followers of Christ. There were some who believed that the first step would be to know everything and to do a long list of things. And yet there were others who said, no, 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 it's not that we need to know everything. It's not that we need to do everything, but it's merely that we need to believe in the one who knows and does everything in Jesus. But this was a little bit of a controversy that was developing in the first century. And we see that controversy come to a head in Acts chapter 15. See, the disciples had gone out, they had they'd traveled around, and they were proclaiming Christ. And as people began to follow, it, it really challenged this supposition. What should we tell them to do next? They say that they want to follow God. What should they do next? There was some controversy about that. Now, of the two groups that were living in that day, one of the groups inside of the church that was promoting a plan were a group of former Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were a group of people that were very religious, and they had very particular answers to everything. And this group of former Pharisees had a plan, and their plan was that the next step, the first step that somebody would do after they said, I am interested in following God, was that they needed to become fully Jewish. Their perspective is identified in Acts chapter 15, verse 5. It says, but some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and they said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. In other words, the next step, the first step for those who were saying they want to follow God, according to these former Pharisees, was that people needed to become fully Jewish. They needed to be circumcised. They needed to learn all of the history of Israel, and they needed to, to know everything that was in the Old Testament. They needed to practice a, a religion that was consistent with everything they saw in those commands that Moses had given the nation of Israel. There were some who, who thought that, that, that what the next step would be is to know everything and to do everything. Now, this phenomena and, and this idea is not something that is relegated only to the first century, but it's an idea that exists even today. If somebody came up to you and they said, I am interested in getting right with God, something is stirring in my soul and I'm interested in, in pursuing God in some way, what should I do? Well, Oftentimes, the very first thing that we think of is to give them a long list. 
right? You need to know all of these things, and you need to do all of these things. And if you know all of these things, and you do all of these things, then God will accept you. It's, it's about you know, going to this class or that class, reading this book and that book. It's, it's, it's about attendance and, and meetings and signing up for committees and jobs and responsibilities and all of these things that we might think. And all these things may be very good and helpful in our lives, but they're not the first step. But there were some in the first century that had their list and had their things. They said the first step is to know and to do everything. Well, in contrast, there was the Apostle Peter. After hearing the Pharisees give their argument for what the first step should be, Peter speaks up. And in verse 7 and following, this is what he says. It says, After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Peter says, remember, it was Jesus' idea that we leave this little country. It was Jesus' idea that we take this gospel to people who are not from a Jewish background. And that's what I've been doing, Peter says. I I went to Cornelius' house. I've been up and visited our friends in Galatia, and and I'm seeing the stuff that is, is happening around the world. Verse 8, he continues, and he says, And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. In other words, I preached this message, and I didn't invite them to be a Jew. I invited them to trust Jesus. And when they trusted Jesus, guess what? The Holy Spirit showed up and invaded their hearts and gave, gave life to these folks that otherwise were living in darkness. Verse 10, Peter continues and says, Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. What Peter is saying is he says, My fellow Jewish people, our Jewishness has not saved us. We know that. It was a burden, this Old Testament law, upon us. It demonstrated our frailty. It demonstrated our weakness, but it did not save us. We didn't find favor with God because we were a good Jew. We found favor with God because he was gracious to us through Jesus Christ. And because we have trusted in Jesus, Peter said, for the forgiveness of our sins, the Spirit has come to reside within us. And Peter says the same thing is true for everyone that we're interacting with in every country where we go. The first step for all is belief and faith in Christ. This is the first step. And it is the the alternative step to knowing everything and doing everything. The first step, instead of knowing everything and doing everything, as the Pharisees said, would be to Believe in the one who knows and does everything to believe in Christ. Peter says that is the first step for all, and we should counsel everyone we interact with to take that as their first step. Now, friends, we're, we're here today in this, in this moment, and we're standing next to a baptistry, and you might wonder, how does someone get to this point? How do they get to this, this tank of baptism? 
And why would we don't have people get to this tank of baptism just because they're a certain age or because they're from a certain family? But they all get to this point because they have taken that first step. They've embraced by faith what Jesus has done on the cross to pay the penalty for their sins so that they might be forgiven. Their hope for eternity is in Jesus. And by believing in that, they find themselves at this point today. Now, that's what Peter was articulating, is that the first step was belief. And not only does Peter say that, and and all of the group there hears that, they hear the argument of the Pharisees, they hear Peter's statement. And then after that, James, the brother of Jesus, speaks up and offers this definitive statement in verse 19. He says, therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. In other words, we should not make it difficult. We should not trouble them to know everything and do everything as their first step in following Christ. But merely we should point them to believing in Jesus for their salvation. We should not trouble them with all of these other things at the outset. Now, that became orthodox truth. It clarified what Jesus had already proclaimed, and it became the pattern of the church from that point forward. And it's the pattern that we're seeing lived out even today. But let's be honest. When James says that we should not trouble them with doing everything and knowing everything, there's a part of that statement that troubles us, right? James says, don't trouble them. We're like, well, that kind of troubles us. Well, why does it trouble us a little bit? Well, it troubles us a little bit because we go, well, wait a minute. Doesn't that seem kind of like this easy believism? Doesn't it make salvation kind of cheap and and available to, to everybody? I mean, we have standards, right? We're talking about people's lives. I mean, shouldn't we raise the bar a little higher? It seems cheap to us. Well, friends, if that is our reaction, then we have forgotten something very significant. It may be free to us, but it is not cheap because God in Christ paid an incredible price so that we might have such a simple first step in connecting to the God who created us. The Apostle Paul makes this argument in Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 23, a famous verse, but what follows it also is significant. He says in verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation or payment by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just in the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Friends, what we see in this passage in Romans is a reminder that though it is free to us, it came at tremendous cost. God paid the full price of our salvation when Jesus went to the cross to die for us, making our first step simple and accessible in an instant, in a moment, because the deposit of Jesus' righteousness has already been paid, that we would just receive it and embrace it in faith. Again, as we gather here today, everyone who is going to enter that tank has 
received that gift. They already have that salvation. This water saves no one. The first step is belief in Christ, and at belief, salvation comes. Now, what's the first next step? If the first step is belief, what's the first next step? Well, we see that throughout the book of Acts as baptism. When people raise their hand and say, I am interested in following God, what is their first step? Their first step is belief in Christ. But what happened next? What is the next step after the first step? That is water baptism. And we see that play out throughout the book of Acts. Because of time, we won't be able to look at all of these verses, but I want to just give you the references so that you see this pattern repeat over and over and over again. In all of these instances, we see this pattern of belief and then baptism, belief and then baptism. We see it in Acts chapter 2, verses 38 through 41, Acts chapter 8, verse 12, Acts chapter 8, verses 30 through 38, Acts chapter 9, verse 18, chapter 10, verse 48, chapter 16, verse 15, chapter 16, verse 33, chapter 18, verse 8, and chapter 19, verse 5. It's not just a one-off. It's the regular and repeated pattern of the early church. The first step, belief in Christ. The next step, water baptism. Why? Well, in water baptism, they went public with their faith. They believed in Jesus. Salvation came to them. And the next step was to declare that to the universe. You know, on on my hand, I have this wedding ring. This wedding ring does not make me married, but every time I feel it, every time I see it, it reminds me of the relationship that I have with my wife, and it's a wonderful reminder at that. In the same way, baptism is the, the, the next step after the first step because it becomes this physical, tangible reminder of someone's connection with Christ. And so the, the first step is belief. The, the second step, the, the next step is baptism. And that's what we're going to see play out today. Now, I go through all of that, and I want to just say that if Jesus were to sit down, and I believe he would want to, to sit down across from each and every one of you today, he would want to have an individual conversation with you. And he would want to, like those interviews I had with a basketball coach years and years and years ago, he would, he would want to talk about the things that are going on in your life. But for many of you who are here today, and many of you who are watching around the country right now online. I believe that there might be a a first step that needs to take place. You came today because you had a friend or a family member who was being baptized, but today you're coming front and center with the reality that this is not something that happens just to some people, but it's available to all who place their faith and trust in Christ. If God is stirring within your heart and you want to begin to follow him, know that it begins by taking that first step of belief in Christ, and that can happen right where you sit, right now. You can begin to trust in Christ. And when you do, salvation comes to you. For others of you, if Jesus is sitting there, you have trusted in Christ and you have begun that relationship with him, but but you've never taken that next step of water baptism. And if that's the case, then know that we would love to talk with you about water baptism. At Wildwood, we have these services three times a year. The next one is going to be August the 1st, and we'll have classes over the summer. But you can let us know right now of your interest in talking more about baptism by just going to our website, wildwoodchurch.org slash baptism. 
There's details in the bulletin, and you can you can go there and, and let us know of your interest. Because remember, again, Jesus is invested in us. He's invested in our development. The first step of belief, the, the first next step, that of baptism. But for all of us, there's something even more. Because some here today have believed in Christ. You are believing in Christ, and you have been water baptized. Well, guess what? There still is something more for us. And, and for those who are being baptized today, there are more steps, right? There are more next steps because this is not the end of this, their spiritual life. It's the beginning. Think about this. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gives the Great Commission. And in that Great Commission, he, he famously tells his disciples, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But after saying that and identifying this this first step, he then goes on in verse 20 and he says, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. In other words, for all of us, as we begin to follow Christ, there are a number of other next steps that we follow Christ in from this point on and forevermore. And what a joy it is to see Jesus continue to shape and mold our character in his image in the days ahead. So what is that next step? For all of us in the room, again, Jesus sitting across the table from you, there would be some next steps. Certainly he would encourage you to continue to trust in him as the foundation for all of these things. But he'd also encourage you to follow him in even new ways or ways that you have neglected, making worship a priority in your life, connecting in community, serving according to the gifts and opportunities that He has given to you, taking advantage of an opportunity to share Christ with a friend, a neighbor, or a loved one, walking away from an addiction that you are stuck inside of. You see, Jesus would, would lay out for you next steps, and those are just a few. There are a number of other things. And again, he wouldn't do those things so that you might get a relationship with him. It's not so that you become a part of the team. It's because you're a part of his family. He's committed to your development. And so he would lay out the next steps for you. What are those next steps as you follow Jesus in every area of your life, following the teaching of all that he has commanded his followers? Friends, today as we are here, we're, we're seeing some next first steps for 18. But I believe that there is a next step for all of us. What is it? Do you have the faith to follow Christ in that way?